The Agora podcast is covered by a BIPCOT no-gov license. Use and reuse is free and encouraged by anyone except governments or their agents. Find out more at BIPCOT.org. If there's girls still growing up in this world to believe they can't sing rock and roll, I don't want to live in this world anymore. All right, folks, welcome back to the Agora Podcast. We're back. It's me, Penguin, uh, broadcasting from an undisclosed location here on the East Coast. There is Sec Magora on the homestead. Uh, it's your home for agorism, localism, anti-authoritarian concepts, and radical decentralization. Uh, doing great. We've both been uh, working hard today, but we made time to uh, record another pod. Um, kind of had a, a blitz of content come out a couple weeks ago, and since then, it's definitely slowed down. Kind of how it rolls with us. Um, you might see a little bit of less of us um, in, in the summertime coming up just because of our extreme schedules. Um, so it might become kind of a seasonally variable podcast because we both work in the same industry. But uh, I'm really happy that we're able to uh, continue our uh, Women women of Anarchism series. Uh, Sec, if you don't have any announcements, like I always say, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guests? Yep. Uh, today we are bringing on uh, Rachel Blackfire for our Women in Anarchism series. Uh, I don't know much about her at all, so I'm kind of going to let her do some talking. Um, Rachel, welcome to the show. I appreciate you coming on uh, Gore the Podcast. Um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity to come on. Um, do you want me to just tell the audience about myself? Yeah, if you would, uh, you know, what's uh, what's your deal? How long you've been an anarchist? Do you know, uh, how'd you get to the where you are? Um, I've been an anarchist since I was like 18, um, so like six years. Um, before that, I first encountered the word libertarian when I was like 15. I was um, I, in, in high school, I was in like honors history and AP government and I was also the um the the president of a, a student organization gay straight alliance that was basically just you know um trying to promote anti-bullying stuff um and my my teacher for the the history and government government class was also like the student sponsor of that organization um so I was just talking to him about political stuff um, and I said that, like, I like a lot of the Democrat positions on things. I didn't know anything about economics at the time or, like, economic issues. Um, and I, but I said that I didn't like their position on guns, that I disagreed with that. Um, and he was a libertarian, so he was like, oh, you should check out, check out the Libertarian Party. Uh, I looked into it, and I, I liked a lot of what I saw. Uh, I didn't get more into it until, like, 2016 um, with the like the Gary Johnson campaign I really liked. Um, and yeah, so I tried to get involved with like the local libertarian party and like I, I contacted like a candidate that I knew. Um, and I started talking to him and he was telling me about like the, that he, he'd recently like discovered anarcho-capitalists um, and was telling me about the non-aggression principle. And I was like, you know what? That all makes a lot of sense. Um, so that's, I basically just decided I was an anarchist then, um, and I, I've done activism with, like, different anarchist groups and libertarian groups for pretty much six years, um, just basically as soon as I could, like, as soon as I could get out on my own and do stuff. Um, I, I would say, like, ideologically, how I come to this is, um, I, like, I, I grew up in, like, uh, a really dysfunctional family, so I saw firsthand how ineffective, like, CPS and social services were, and that's what kind of gave me the perspective of, like, questioning the, the, the government and, like, wanting to think of better ways to do things. Hey, y'all, it's Resonance, um, yeah, from the let's make some shit podcast uh here telling you guys about some of the new stuff i've got at appalachian apothecary right now i have a remineralizing tooth powder that's made with calcium carbonate and bentonite clay 
Um, I have a four ounce jars so that I'm selling for 10 bucks a piece. And then uh, also I've done a couple of body butters. Um, they're whipped tallow body butters. One's infused with Arnica and the other one is a very potent pain reliever. And if you'd like more info on that, you can find me at radical underscore resonance on Telegram or at Mother of Chaos, X-A-O-S on Twitter. Um, I'd be happy to make tinctures for you regarding like any medical condition that you have. So please reach out to me and let's see if we can get you some herbal remedies. What uh, what specifically were you interested? Like uh, what I- uh, ideals did you share with, say, the Democratic Party previous year uh, coming to anarchism? Um, I would just say they they were um the few people that I heard talking about de- drug decriminalization at all, like sort of the the fringes there. Like Bernie Sanders would talk about it. Um. Me- younger Democrats would talk about it, um, then they, they, they were also generally, at, at the time, they were more anti-war, like, because they were opposing the Bush administration, like that, like, when I first started, like, looking at political things, I started looking at political things really young, it was when the Bush administration was still a thing, um, now they're like, I mean, we've seen, like, the Obama administration and what happened then and that was another thing seeing like that the obama administration was like supposed to be like this kind of younger like progressive um bent of the democrat party and then they did they didn't like codify gay marriage they just had the supreme supreme court do it so now it's still up to the supreme court i think well actually they, they i think they did a thing recently that codified it um but then, like, Obama was a complete warmonger. That was another thing that, like, like uh, basically as soon as I, I, I figured out that there was a different option than Democrats or Republicans, I was ready to go for it because, like, Obama failed on a lot of his campaign promises. Um, but, yeah, mostly just, like, social issues because, like I said, I didn't know much about economic issues. The audience has heard me say this many times, but I'm going to repeat it here because I'm a very bitter old man. But I was also I was protesting uh, Bush at the time, and I had a lot of sort of leftist and liberal friends and allies, and I felt very betrayed once Obama came into office and essentially continued and escalated all of Bush's foreign policy, and I. I was young and naive, and I expected people to be consistently anti-war. There was a huge anti-war movement under Bush, and I thought it would continue naively under Obama. And uh, in some ways, it it really proved to me that uh, a lot of these people were not necessarily allies. Uh, They were just, you know, anti-Bush, which there's a lot of good reasons to be anti-Bush. But, you know, essentially, Obama to me was just like, Reagan light, you know, so uh, it was uh, a real, that was a sea change in the way I thought about things as a young man um, in, a, in a lot of ways. Did you, did you, was that similar, a similar situation for you? Um, yeah, I would say like when I was like, uh, basically when I was in my teens and started like looking at stuff online, not just like seeing it in the news. Um, I, I would find like the data on like Obama's work activities, uh, and then like I encountered a bunch of sketchy stuff about Hillary Clinton, uh, and she was like about the about the Clintons, um, and they, they, it was obvious that like Hillary was being set up to be like the next Democrat nominee. So that was another thing that was it was like yeah, we need better options. Uh, and like I looked at other campaigns in the Democrat Party at the time, but you know, uh, it, 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 uh, yeah, a lot of them were just more establishment. And then I, when it, once I started learning about economic things, and then again, there was always like the gun issue. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, Basically, I think, it was just a combination of really bad candidates and 
like there, no one really ever rose up to be like the 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 anti-war um candidate again after like like once bush was out of office that wasn't an issue people talked about anymore really yeah i mean i mean there was that one guy um but other other than ron paul which really didn't go anywhere i mean actually it's the genesis of a lot of things but i think uh, i think another thought that i come to that kind of just bolsters what we've always talked about about the obama this is a generational thing obviously you're talking you're talking about people that kind of experienced this around kind of formative years um the obama thing um occupy ron paul all that stuff happened in like very formative time formative times for all of us even if our ages are a little bit different um and i i, I just think that the you know the bush years were so formative for me in my like high school and college, like undergrad kind of age years um but the election of obama and the ensuing two terms of that we're kind of i think living in um, this is the original part of that because we've talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast but i think we're living really in the downstream effects of like obama at this point i guess for a lo- for a while we were living in the downstream. i mean we're obviously we were living very much in the downstream effects of the eight years of uh w and we're really now living in like the downstream all the crazy political stuff that's happening now both in like the mainstream excuse me in the mainstream and in the like radical and in extremists and dissident circles and everything you might want to call it the mainstream the, the pseudo mainstream everything uh-huh. like i think a lot of this really is downstream and i don't know i mean trump was just four years of trump that was just like a sideshow but i think we're still really in the downstream effects of eight years of obama and like that rallying around obama and and the various the disappointment and the various ways that people went and splintered off from that and then the things with bernie and the things with hillary versus trump i mean we're going to be i think we're going to be downstream of that we're going to be operating off of that for a long time. I would say to some extent, um, I agree. I think that the Trump candidacy really like made things weird because like it kind of activated this strain of Republicans that is just completely different from anything we've seen over there before. And now the You died out. Are you there? Sec. I'm here. Are you there? I'm okay. Here. I'm make sure I'm, I'm, so, make sure like, I'm not. So we're not going to like, like a little bit. I mean, um, you, just because like they've like, to appeal to the Trump base now. You just cut out for like 20 seconds. Would you mind repeating that? And I'll just, I'll just splice it together. Oh, okay. Um, basically, I was saying like the the Trump like c- candidacy and then presidency activated like this whole section of people that the GOP now has to like appeal to, and so we're not going to get those like Ron Paul, Justin Amash, Gary Johnson types from the GOP anymore. Like they're they're we're not going to get a candidate like that from them, and I think that's something that's very different. Yeah, and this is I want to bounce this off to you because I think this also has its parallel in in, in, in libertarian circles, um, in like party or movement libertarian circles. Um, while that's true, and I, I I sort of agree with that, I also think that yes, we're not going to have those guys, but we're also not going to have like like the Republican Party is not going to be represented by. Bush and Cheney and Condoleezza Rice and those crowds and even like the McConnell and all those really just fat cat establishment big Oh yeah, it's going to be populist as fuck. It's going to be populist authoritarian. And it was going to have to happen just like with the Libertarian Party. I think, you know, it's when there's an imbalance and and there's there's, uh, demand like just in the atmosphere for change, you don't necessarily know where that change is going to go. It's kind of a, a spontaneous order, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that I would like to have. I'm not saying I can ha- I can have an effect, but maybe collectively there there should be some sort of attempt to have an effect on where kind of populism grows broadly, not connected with the two parties, but broadly. And when I say populism, I just mean popular, non elite, non institutional politics. 
I mean, look at left populism. It's it's after after Bernie and then Bernie failed one and Bernie failed two. I mean, I want to say, oh, I'm sorry, you you you. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I see with Republicans, there's kind of this like new theocratic wave, um, just new like social conservatism wave. Um, so that's that's being interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the, both mainstream parties are always going to be like a complete fucking mess. Um, and then, it, I mean, the Libertarian Party's a mess, but with slightly better uh, starting principles. This is um, why I hate party politics entirely. Yeah. But... Yeah. We're on an anarchist podcast talking about party politics. <laughs> Do we have well, other topics? There's no rules. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I will say, like, one thing that might be an interesting side effect of, of some of these sea changes in mainstream politics, of which I include the Libertarian Party in that. Um, you mentioned guns several times and being interested in guns. I've never seen more interest in guns amongst, let's say, left circles and... Uh, oh, I, I'm encouraging Yes, and marginalized communities and women are all arming themselves because of, I would say, probably because of the sort of theocratic impulse within certain parties and also um, there being no hope in like the LP or the Democratic Party either. So I think uh, you're seeing a lot of people take things into their own hands, which I think is overall in the long term a good thing even if it's coming from sort of negative influences um what do you do you have any thoughts on that um yeah so i feel like um oh this is this is another thing that like kind of made me think completely outside the box in 2015 when there was like the um the police brutality protest then i mean the media just like all like both forms of mainstream media, be it Fox News or, like, the more liberal-leaning ones, all they did was show rioting. They didn't show any of, like, what people were actually upset about, like, people talking, people doing peaceful protests. And then I would go home and look on, like, internet media, and it would just be a completely different thing. Like, you would see, like, a more whole like holistic picture of what was actually going on up there and um like my, my husband was actually in baltimore at the time and took part in the protest and he like backs up kind of what i observed that like it was mostly peaceful protests but the media would just run the same five clips of like one or two violent things happening or like one really bad night and yeah that that, that but observing that like when that when that all happened, like the the Freddie Gray stuff, like broke my perspective on like mainstream media. And then like all this happened again in 2020, and I feel like that was a lot of people's awakening. Um, that like the police are not going to help us; they're not going to come save us. We have to take self defense into our own hands. And I feel like that's one big factor in like the kind of like gun culture 2.0 that's cropping up. Yeah, I mean, I'll take that as a win it's overall. Like we, we saw in twenty twenty that like it's a fail. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's very weird. It's not connected necessarily to a certain political persuasion. I think that that it's. I'm glad that it's it's persisting, um, and it's persisting widely. Uh, you know, gun rights, gun availability, gun ownership has never been more broad, more diverse, more free, and more unencumbered regardless of whatever law is being passed or atf just like that's great if you're one of those people then this cares about that and and is going to try to do something about it I, I, I do care about it but by all means like absolutely uh but yeah i you walk into a gun store and like that that's not a gun store 30 40 years ago that's not a gun store 120 like dude you've I think we're in a great place and you would never have thought necessarily that that's the one thing that I, that, that we're most optimistic on. And I'm, I'm glad, and I'm really glad um, to see not for necessarily ideologic, ideological association reasons, but I'm really, really glad to see politically, uh, demographically diverse 
uh, gun ownership. Um, I, I just I just like that. I don't like to see things just like one of my big beefs with electoral politics. Besides, obviously, like the basic principle based ones is that, that so much of it tends to track with just like demographic identifiers. Well, gun ownership too was tr was tracking with demographic identifiers, and it doesn't bode, bode well when it becomes a partisan issue. So. I just like to see it. It's just fun to see like families and immigrants and all sorts of people enjoy this thing that I also really like. And uh, it, it, that will certainly help it persist in a world where you it's not guaranteed to persist because it doesn't persist in any other similar country with similar standards of living, if in any country at all. So uh, I'm altogether optimistic on, on on gun rights. I think that's one of the few things. I don't know if you would agree. If 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 both if both of you would agree, but that's one of the few things I'm actually optimistic on. Hey y'all, I got something cool to tell you about. So you know how uh, I'm doing a big initiative to try to get more people to Gorilla Garden. Well, uh, Daggerist over at agoristacres.com, he's kind of teaming up with me a little bit here to help support this uh, cause. So if you use the code Agora10 uh, over at agoristacres.com, you'll get 10% off um, for any reason um, you're buying seeds, whether that be grill gardening or your own garden, anything like that. But if you contact Daggerist uh, or myself and you tell them that I sent you to get seeds for gorilla gardening, he might be able to swing an additional hookup. Um, it might be just whatever he's got, you know, an, a surplus of or that kind of thing, whatever he can do. Um, so he's he's down for the cause here and really wants to help uh, see this come to fruition. Um, so I'm. I am Sekmagora at Sekmagora on all the, the um, social media. You can contact Daggerist directly on his website, uh, agoristacres.com again. And uh, the code is Agora10 to just get 10% 10, uh, 10 off straight up. And um, tell him I sent you for, for gorilla gardening, and you'll, uh, he'll, he'll try to hook you up however he can. And um, what, this is what we got to do. we got to support people that support us that want to see more of this in the world um so again it's agorastakers.com check it out um and get out there and and cause a cause a ruckus and get some gorilla gardening done all right y'all peace yeah i i think if also if like people can genuinely convey to the populace that uh, like violent crime is way way down that like like uh, well bas basically like if you look at a chart of the past like few decades we violent crime is way down so we we don't really have a crime problem so i think i, I think like the other factors that we've mentioned like if we can really convey that there's not as much of a pro pro prime crime problem as politicians want people to think i i think we really can see a resurgence of gun rights in this country i don't know about other countries they're probably fucked but America, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think, you know, I mean, one of the reasons I have guns is, is to protect myself from violent crime. It's certainly up on the micro level, uh, but I think that that's a valid reason. I think that's a valid reason. I think that libertarian principles, regardless of whether you want to be some kind of like self-defense fanatic, and I, you know, I, I don't encourage anyone to seek out that kind of motivation for you know owning guns but i think you know at the same time the the, the it's very powerful preserving the idea that there is a, a an individual right or ability to defend oneself because that's just unheard of in most other countries it's just not it's just not compatible with the rule of law as understood in, in in other countries and um i think you know with all the criticisms we have i have about this country there are certain factors that, that were 
whether we like it or not, and I think, I guess I, I do kind of like it. This is the place where the spark of liberty, if it's going to last, even if it's something as simple as gun rights, yeah, me and my, I'm going to hold on to my guns. Don't, you can't come from my guns. You can take it from my cold dead hand. But I mean, honestly, that's just unheard of in almost any other part of the world and in, and seen it in it is incompatible with the rule of law and it's it's not at least in part, most of this country not seen incompatible with the rule of law and, and and all things considered like we might have our own theories but we certainly believe in the rule of a rule of law in a libertarian sense i don't but um yeah, no, I, I, I sort of yeah, agree. I don't like laws. <laughs> that's a terminological difference, of course, but uh, that's definitely a terminological difference. No, I, I think that, you mean uh, like in the sense of like customs and no, natural, no, no, no. It could be natural law. It could be sure. Okay. Yeah. It could be. It could be. It could be bottom up. It could be. Uh, yeah. No, I, I yeah. mean the rule of law versus the rule of man. In other words, instead of rulership. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, emergent order. I'm one, of, yeah. I'm one of those. I'm one of those guys. I listen to those radical liberal libertarians. Yeah, you've been listening they're, they're, to a lot of radical liberals, yeah. <laughs> not in the other of the class, like, not the classical type either. But um, no. But term terminology aside, I I do think that we're uniquely positioned. We're in a unique place where. Okay, so there's obviously freedom rankings that show we're not doing so great on a lot of things, including things that we care deeply about, like economic freedom and ability, entrepreneurship and be able to own, own your own business. But the spark, there's a cultural affinity to some of these ideas and we can't let that go away. And we can't let, especially rising populism of any of right, left or up, upside or down um, do that because all of them seem pretty hostile to, to liberty. When you when you look at it, so um, just to change it up a little bit, because we're I don't want to run out of time, but um, something I've been asking. Um, oh, and Penguin, I agree with mostly with what you said. We have to be the what do we call it? The secret other thing? The secret third thing? I don't know, but. Um, I wish third position fascists had never used the term third positionist because I would like to use that term, but that's means something else than what I would like to use it for. Um, but but thing, yeah. yeah, it's fourth, a weird thing. Fourth position. For, <laughs> no, we just call it the secret other thing. Uh, I don't want to be the last place. <laughs> right, I don't want to be last placed either. But uh, yeah, no, we're we're the secret other thing. Anyway, um, moving on though. Um, Something I've been asking every woman that's come on in this series so far is it's a common um, perception that there are no women anarchists. And this gets thrown about a lot, but it is, doesn't actually, um, it is not um, relatable to my personal experience. So, do you have any thoughts on to why there is that perception in the first place? Um, and you know, why, why is that? Why do you think? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I would love to get some demographic data on it. Um, yeah, I don't really know why there's that perception in the first place. Um, maybe because uh, political stuff in general used to be by law restricted to just men, and maybe to this day there's there's still some of that influence. So yeah, but I when I and I like talk to people and I like talk to a lot of like anarchists and libertarians. Like it, it, it seems like you know there there's some bias but like that's kind of like if you look at every political group there's some like there, there's just more men active in it than women uh but like if you look historically i mean emma goldman is a pretty popular anarchist thinker who is a woman and then like Anne rand is not an anarchist but she's somewhat in the libertarian vein of thought and uh, i i'd say there's 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 definitely a lot of women 
that that are into anarchism or libertarianism. Um, I, yeah, I don't really know what it is, but I, yeah, I don't we're think out it's here. necessarily. Yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily like ideological, I, you know, at all. As a matter of fact, I think it's if anything, there's less of a proclivity, you know, in my opinion, for uh, it to be kind of a, a man's game. And maybe you see that less so with some of the, you know, party institutional politics. But um, when you're talking about something, especially the kind of stuff that we talk about, that's not non, you know, very much non-institutional. And I don't know if you, uh, if you want to call it populist or not. That's a big terminological debate in my head. But like um, out there, out here in the real world, when we're talking about actually doing things and not like going to political meetings. Yes, you're filtering out a lot of women when you're talking about going to political meetings, which I don't think Sec or I do for the most part. We do other things, and I think politic politics can intersect with those things. And that's why we've had I, – I think we've had so much success with the Women of Anarchism series because we're not pulling people out of you know, a party convention or um, meetups or something like that. We're pulling people out from like what they actually do. Because, I mean, it might sound like a meme, but like everybody, everything, everything we do is political, and we talk about like all facets of life. So, um, yeah, we, we, I think we've already firmly debunked, thanks to our wonderful women guests, like firm, firmly debunked the idea that that women aren't um, attracted to these ideas or don't live the life. Um. So. Yeah. Speaking of living the life, like how does you how how does your day to day lifestyle actually reflect a libertarian anarchist uh, philosophy? Um. Well, I mean, my main hobby is doing stuff. Um. In in like the the libertarian party or just like activism stuff so uh most i spend a lot of time advocating for it uh i would say like in my day-to-day life um i'm pretty passionate about like peaceful parenting um like and i i see that as like an expression of libertarian values and I, i would say mostly just like acting on that is the main way that i act on it um yeah, I mean, I I, I, I I own land. I have a, like homestead, but I I don't. Uh, it's you know, political. it's kind of hard it to really live live that radically when you have to when you have to pay taxes on it and you have to obey zoning laws. Like homesteading is the no, hardest that, thing to do, like without the government. But and I would so say parenting is like that. the main way i get to act on my ideas yeah we're definitely not here like purists to a fault and we never will be um and i I think you 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 play the cards that you're dealt and i think uh you're able to we're able to live our ideals whenever we interact with others in 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 a uh, peaceful and you know non-coercive manner of course and everything else is kind of just how we can structure our lifestyle to, to get us disentangled from those institutions that we, we find either coercive or generally distasteful. Um, so, you know, I think for first step um, for a lot of people, and like we say, it's not for everyone, get, get that land, do as much as you can, get, become as self-sufficient as you can. I think it's a great lifestyle to kind of promote those ideas. So now good on you for, um, good on you for being able to do that. Do you, do you have chickens by chance? I I have a bunch of chickens and I have some ducks. Oh man, the ducks! Yeah, we learned all about. I learned all about ducks when we had uh, Gonzo on. <laughs> ducks are incredibly messy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll never own ducks again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're a giant mess. The I'll never own ducks again. Sucks. Mm-hmm. Like they here's the thing, they like you get them and they're they're really cute for a couple days and then you yeah. realize why did I invite this horrible thing into my house? I mean I hate geese just because they're geese. 
But ducks, I'm like, wait, so this is another layer I can hate geese, because raising geese is basically the same as ducks. They're probably fucking messy, too. I'd never invite a goose into my home, but ducks are so yeah. messy. Ducks seem really cool when I when I when I see them from time to time. But it's good to know we don't want ducks living with you. Uh, yeah, I, I'm totally turned off from that. But yeah, chicken's very hot right now. I would love to. Uh, I would love to do some ur ur urban ch ch chickenry or whatever. I would love to do um, some some of that. And I've actually encountered people like I live in my hometown. I've always lived here, and I encountered somebody like basically the next neighborhood over from where where I grew up. Um, and she sure has some chickens and you definitely could have had some chickens back in the day over there. But, um, right now that's like the middle of the city. Uh, pretty awesome. So, uh, it's something you can definitely do in different, uh, in, in different environments. But, uh, yeah, we're big fans of homesteading, owning land, all of that stuff. Let me run a theory by you. And this is, uh, might be just the most obvious thing and uh i might be wrong but i think it comes down to um i don't know uh men can often be very loud in these spaces and often not very welcoming and i'm trying to be very nice here but i've put it another way another time but trying to be nicer this time and not maybe not very welcoming we'll say uh i know several women who have have stated this exactly um and so they the women kind of get crowded out and just go do it rather than you seeing them in these spaces and maybe this is what accounts for hmm the the perception that uh, there there's not as many women anarchists and uh, oh, also, you missed Volturing Declare. If you have not heard of her, she's my probably my favorite anarchist ever. Are you familiar? I I had seen some quotes from her. Hmm. I that name doesn't really like that name doesn't convey male or female to me because I don't speak whatever language it's from. So I, I didn't know. I like, I hadn't looked into her. So she, I didn't know she was a woman. Yeah, that's a woman. Uh, she's pretty awesome. She cool. was also, she was also a poet and friends with Emma Goldman. Um, so she was, um, what they call the boss, uh, in the group where they call the Boston anarchist, you know, the early American, uh, individualist anarchist. She's right in that, sort of school like you know late 1800s and she is fucking awesome she's probably one of my favorite anarchists of all time um but she did a lot of great uh, uh a lot of good great writing but she was also a, her, a poet um and her poetry is very good um but her even her like um non-poetry almost reads like poetry just because you know that's kind of how she writes so her writing's really awesome um, and it's very approachable and, e and easy to, to read. I, I really like it a lot. Um, so I would highly, if you're not familiar, I would highly recommend checking her out. Um, oh, but to my first question, do you think that... Yeah, uh, I've seen a lot of good quotes and I've meant to look into... Yeah, I, I would recommend. Yeah, I think you would dig her. Uh, I recommend her to everybody who's not familiar. But, um, but oh, to my original question, do you think it's... Uh, it, the reason for this perception is that women just go get crowded out of these spaces or feel uncomfortable in some way and then go just go do their own thing like you just go do your peaceful parenting in your homestead and uh, you know you don't get involved in spaces that you don't feel welcome is do you think there's any truth to that maybe um i don't know i'm i'm fairly Autistic, so I don't read social cues, so if, I, if I'm unwelcome somewhere, I usually don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I've always been fine in political spaces, but I, I understand why other women might be uncomfortable. Uh, I do see a lot of women activists in, like, the peaceful parenting and, like, uh, uh, self-directed learning um, advocacy spaces. If you get that it's so easy for you to like get anarchism because like 
You've all you're already at like the most radical extreme of like self ownership thought. It, like, like I, I I even find it hard to like talk to anar like there are anarchists and libertarians who just don't get that that like children also have rights. So like I feel like if the people that get peaceful parenting and like get self directed learning and are advocates for that, like, they, they would get anarchism in, like, a few, like, very quickly if they were exposed to the ideas. So, if those people aren't low-key libertarian or anarchist already, it would be very easy for them to understand it. Yeah, uh, something, uh, something that my lady and I came to realize, because we, we unschool, and we're, we both do, you know, we, peaceful parenting and that, and, um, it it's a lot more it's a lot more responsibility um it would be in a lot a lot of situations you know you can kind of sit them down and just talk to them and and what have you but there's certain times where it would be far easier just to put you know yell and say because i said so and etc cetera, etc cetera, and, and be very angry rather than trying to get them you know to redirect them to something else or try to explain that to them why we can't do this or that um, so it takes a little bit more effort on the part of the parent, which can be straining at times. But um, overall, I guess the point I'm making is it, it you sort of come to the realization that it's it's a lot more. Um, it is a microcosm for anarchism because anarchism is going to mean far more self responsibility and in uh, in a lot of different ways. But it'll be worth it in a sense so um that's something the the uh, uh my lady and i have been talking about here here recently it would be just easier to just yell and and you know do what i told you to do and send you know spank them or whatever the thing and just in a very authoritarian man manner and the boom problem solved but you're not looking at the bigger picture by doing that yes it would be easier in this instance but you're raising a much um much different human in the long in the long term so taking a little bit more effort makes it uh, a much better situation um overall for them and for yourself in the long term and for society as a whole so that to me you're absolutely correct in that that uh peaceful parenting and child rearing and, and this sort of thing is uh, is a microcosm for anarchic uh, relationships in that sometimes it's going to take more effort. And I think a lot of people are just not, I don't know. I've run across a lot of people that were just wouldn't are not ready for an anarchist society for that reason. You know, uh, what, what are your, do you agree? Um, what are your thoughts on that? You, you cut out, like, right at the beginning. Um, oh, no. So can okay. you just restate the question really uh, The short version is... Um, the short version I, I got is, most of it. Okay. Um, we lost Penguin again. The short... Yeah, the short version is that, um, yes, peaceful parenting is a microcosm for anarchist relations uh, and possibly uh, an anarchist society. But this also means, like, just like peaceful parenting, it sometimes requires a bit more effort on the part of the parent than, say, a parent that would be rather authoritarian and violent and just say, do as I say because I said, and if you don't, I will hit you. That's actually the, like, the easy way out. So it takes a little bit more effort and creativity on your own part as a peaceful parent to raise your child in a nonviolent manner. And that, to me, is a, a microcosm for anarchist relations in the sense that anarchism will also require a lot more sort of creativity and self-responsibility uh, um, to make uh, things work without violence. Sometimes it will be great, way easier to make things work without violence um, or, or, I'm sorry, aggressive violence. Um, but sometimes it's going to be harder for us. We're going to have to figure out creative alternatives right um do you do you see this uh uh do you see this relationship i mean i know you do but i'm kind of just taking it in another direction here 
Yeah, no, I agree. I, I also think that, like, promoting um, peaceful parenting is an essential step to eventually getting to a much more free society. Um, because I, I, I feel like the, the more... Like, if someone is raised in peace and without coercion and without uh, an unnecessary hierarchy, they are less likely to look to violence and um, unnecessary hierarchies to solve their problems when they're older. Um, because they've learned more how to solve problems without violence, without coercion. Um, yeah, so I, just, I feel like people who are peacefully parented are more natural anarchists or libertarians. Um, I, one of, someone that you should look into interviewing is Avins O'Brien. She's a second generation, um, anarchist. Liber or, well, she might be second generation libertarian. She's definitely, like, an anarchist. Uh, but she was fully, like, peacefully parented and unschooled. Um, so she, yeah, so she's someone who's very interesting to talk to about all that stuff. Because she, like, her life has been th these theories, like, in practice. If that so, makes sense. She also, like, okay. runs uh business so like i i she's like completely like lived the theory right on can you spell her name for me uh a v e n s and then the last name is o brian i don't know if it's okay. with an E or an A. I can't think off the top of my head, but I, I could send you her name on Twitter. And... Yeah, if you could put me in contact if you're friends with but, her. Yeah. Uh, that'd be awesome. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, my, uh, uh, my kids will be third generation. Well, we're not raising them to be ideological anarchists, but I, my parents were anarchists as well, even though they I still went to public school. Um. But uh, unschooling was less of a thing then in the in the eighties. So, um, but, um, where was it going with that? Yeah, yeah, I, I believe John Holt is the father of the modern unschooling movement, and he his work was about like the seventies. So really, mm. it didn't really catch on until later. That's super early, actually. That's crazy. I can't imagine doing it, doing this kind of thing, or having these ideas without the internet. I mean, I think about that about a lot of things historically, but like, can you imagine? Um, but yeah, I, I think for that reason, I mean, the thing that we're using right now, the internet, um, opens up a lot more possibilities for us, and I think really lets us do things where we are doing things individually and. In, on, on an individualist basis, but we're actually not relying solely on ourselves because we have this like connection. It's pretty mind blowing when you think about it. Um, but you know, I think that's really important because that's what we need uh, a, a sense of community. And I think, you know, some of the practical things community provides, certainly not everything, uh, by far not everything, but I think the internet can provide that, provide for us a way to have a, like a lot of support and just kind of answer questions um that would be you know advice that would be really hard to get without this tool that's like available to us at all times so um i'm, I'm really able that glad that facilitates this, facilitates this podcast and facilitates us kind of not relying on these kind of large institutions so, you know what's a bit what's a large what's a bigger and more like dinosaur of an institution than public schools where like they send 5,000 kids to like this one central location all locked in and behind razor wire to uh, all be taught uh, according to the um, the state curriculum in the state but also you know this, this the state itself uh, so I, I think I think uh, the future bodes well another another optimistic point I think the future bodes well for um, for homeschooling unschooling and all these and just alternative education models in general and I know that's something that a, a lot of our listeners and a lot of the women anarchists uh, in the audience really, really care about. Um, so, you know, uh, do you, um, what, what's, so what's your content? Actually, since I'm not familiar with it, what is actually your um, content? Do you release your content in video or uh, podcast form on peaceful parenting? Um, mostly I just make posts and I argue with people on like 
I, I used to do Facebook a lot more, but I just kind of don't use it because it's so, like, it's just hard to navigate their, like, banning algorithm, and, like, you don't reach as many people as you do on Twitter, um, so yeah, I've basically just been arguing with people for years, I don't really make videos, I've considered getting into streaming, I've dabbled in TikTok some, I need to get back into it, um, but yeah, I, I mostly just, like, argue with people and make memes, and, like, oh, I will post, like, long, long, I'll post, like, short things, I'll post, like, longer things, I, 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 I yeah. I, I, honestly, I was, I got banned from Facebook in, like, 2020, like, perma-banned, and I have, like, a newer account, but I'm mad I lost, like, all my, like, writing from then. There was some stuff that I'd saved to, like, copy and paste in debates, but other than that, like, I lost a lot of stuff. One last question. So that's one thing that kind of, like, oh, good. disincentivizes me to post there. Yeah, I haven't been on Facebook in a long time. Uh, man, Facebook. Wow. It's, yeah. it's, it's been a while and I wouldn't have anybody to post any of those ideas to if I went back on and, and went back to my friends list from like 2014. But um, yeah, no, I, I apparently it's there's still it's got that network effect. It can get you out there. And especially if you're trying to debate, I can imagine. Yeah, I I, I, I don't, can't debate on the Internet anymore. It just fucking destroys my soul. Um <laughs> And raises my blood pressure. Um, one last question, and then uh, at least I got a skedaddle. Um, what do you have? A do you think there you have a uh, possibly a unique perspective on anarchism as a woman? Um, no, not really. Um. Mm. Yeah, I, I think there's a bunch of things that make my perspective unique, but I, I don't think, like, being a woman is connected to it. Fair enough. What um, What is unique about your perspective? Uh, I, I know that, like, being autistic makes me think, like, in a way that's completely like outside of the box of how people would normally think about stuff so I'm like pro I come up with like angles and arguments for things that other people don't think of um I I I, I feel like I'm more able to detach my like feelings on a subject from something so that kind of enables me to like make arguments better um and like examine issues without ha ha like more objectively um mm. Yeah. Well, okay. So if we're talking about things like that, how much do you think that emotion and empathy affects your attraction to anarchism? Let me give you an example of what I mean. For me personally, um, I do like a good, you know, logical art reasoning as to why I want to do things a certain way. But many times these are justifications for like, um, a feeling like I don't want to see people go without a home or go hungry. I don't want to see kids starving. I don't want to see kids getting blown up in my name oh, no. all over the planet. You, you see where I'm going with this? But then I have a like a logical reasoning. Oh, no, I agree. I yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. No, I agree. agree? Like, a lot of the reason I come to this and why I'm so passionate about it is because of, like, I, I, I feel a lot of empathy for people. Uh, I'm just saying, like, if I, I'm able to look at people's arguments without reacting to them very heavily, and I'm able to examine issues. Um, for example, like, abolishing the death penalty is something that, like, people get very emotional about it because there are very horrific crimes. Uh, but I... I, I been able to like look at it more like it's just in a more practical sense like yes there are these crimes that are horrific that we want to stop but we also have like all of these cases of people rotten jail for decades convicted on the same crimes and then it turns out that they were innocent you know so if, if, if we 
make the death if we expand the death penalty more if we like do it faster we might kill innocent people like back back in the days of lynchings a lot of innocent people died on false accusations yeah not a fan of the vigilante justice um uh, but just go to, i guess to go back to some something i said are you optimistic so we, we we've kind of narrowed down what's your wheelhouse and it was one of those things that i i think that i'm optimistic on uh like a lot of things we talk about on the podcast um so the peaceful parenting the alternative schooling and i mean broadly like all the different kinds of alternatives to like you know tr- legacy schooling so to speak i need to stop saying traditional for so much things but like like legacy schooling institutions or whatever and edu- the education are you as optimistic as i am on, on, on that kind of thing since that's kind of your area of focus oh yeah uh, i i'm more optimistic about like i'm like incredibly optimistic when it comes to like peaceful parenting and youth rights stuff because i i just i see that awakening catching on very quickly and yeah I, I, that's a front that I'm very optimistic on. Annoying podcast. So hopefully people don't find that. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, thank you for coming on, um, sharing your perspective in in what you do, your activism and everything. Really appreciate your appearance here. Yeah, Rachel, thanks for coming on your, um, we, uh, I value your, your perspective here. Um, do you want to plug anything uh, before you go or anything like that? Um. Yeah. I. I, I yeah. Follow my TikTok because I will eventually get back into creating content on that, and it's very easy to get stuff in front of a lot of people on there. Uh, and then Twitter, same deal. Very easy to get stuff in front of a lot of people. Uh, I've had several beebs get like over 10,000 likes and it's crazy. I'm like, oh, I, I do, do this many people should not be seeing what I say, but, um, <laughs> what's your handle? It's crazy to me, but like that many people were like, good idea. Um, so it's libertarian Neko, like, like a cat, like Neko and like a cat girl. It was just something funny I came up with. I, I, I yeah. used to wear cat ears on podcasts and like videos more. Uh, so it's L I B E R A T I A N N E K O Libertarian Neko. That's me on Twitter and TikTok. And right on. Well, uh, yeah. Anything else? That, that's all I guess I have to plug. Okay, cool. Well, thanks oh, um, for And if you're into libertarian, go ahead. Oh, uh, if you're into Libertarian Party stuff, check out the Liberation Caucus and the Classical Liberal Caucus, because um, they're... The, the, I, I don't agree with the CLC as much, but the Liberation Caucus is like my... Um, I, I founded it, so... Uh, but th- those are both um, things to check out in the Libertarian Party. If you're into no. all that stuff, I know this is an anarchist podcast, not a lot of party people, but... Uh, you know what's funny is I was in talks with. Were you running the Libertarian Liberation Caucus Twitter? Yes. I think. You're... Oh, okay. So we were the we were supposed to have you on a while back, and then it got lost in the shuffle. Yeah. For the the Liberation yep. Caucus. I remember that. Okay. Yeah, 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 I remember that. We're not super into yeah, okay. like uh, party politics, but we don't. I just don't care. It, you know, like it's just uh, it's not that we hate that. Do it if you want. You know what I mean? But it, it's just uh, not our thing yeah. specifically. You know, but but we we have had yeah. a few different caucuses on from the LP. Like uh, we had Drew Cook from the Sober Caucus on, and then. Um, who else did we have? We had somebody else, didn't we? Anyway, we've had a few. I remember. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of annoying when people when people are, are are in your face and obnoxious about the quote unquote anarchist or I mean not not anarchist but this in your face and obnoxious about being involved with the Libertarian Party or with some sort of political or organization like I come on man I just obviously 
there's 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 a place for everything. There's a place for organizing. I think uh, a lot of people have been involved with the party over the years that don't understand what what the point of it was. But that being said, like by all means, join whatever group you want, except for the you know Republicans or Democrats or the, <laughs> the cops or whatever. But um, right. yeah, <laughs> the Chamber of Commerce. But um, you know, within reason. Uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, anybody, you, anybody in your caucus or any caucus, really, are welcome to come on the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we'll have to have you on again and talk about that. That would be that'd be a good episode. But okay. All right. Well, again, thanks for coming on, and um, we'll uh, everybody listening be excellent to each other, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Have a good night. Ciao. Peace. I want